Talk Radio. Prepare yourself. Okay, let's go. This is Veg Talk Radio. And uh, we're back again for another exciting episode of Veg Talk Radio. Good morning, afternoon, evening, depending upon when you're listening to this podcast. I'm Jay, along with my beautiful wife, Elena. <laughs> and we're back again this week's episode. We are talking about GMOs and organic farming. Uh, are GMOs good? Are GMOs bad? That kind of stuff will be discussed in this episode. But first, I want to get to an exciting, sir. Uh, well, an exciting uh, report that came out from the study from the British Journal of the Lancet. Actually, it's not really good news if you're a meat eater or an animal products eater, because Mom is right. You have to eat your veggies. It's one of the largest surveys of data on global dietary habits and longevity. Some researchers found that consuming veggies, fruit, they mentioned fish in here, but we're vegans, so we don't eat fish, so I'm not going to mention that. But whole grains was strongly associated with a longer life and that people who uh, skimped on such healthy foods are more likely to die before their time. Now, the study, of course, was published on Wednesday last week uh, in the British Journal of the Lancet. It concluded that one-fifth of deaths around the world were associated with poor diets defined as those short on veggies, uh, seeds, and nuts, but also heavy in sugar, salt, and trans fats. Gee, imagine that. I think Dr. Greger was talking about how not to die. This was a big, big promotion. Whole, fa- whole food, plant-based diets. But some of the big numbers that came out of the study in 2017 that came to 11 million deaths that could have been avoided. The researchers said that most of those around 10 million were from cardiovascular disease, some researchers also found that the next biggest diet-related killers were cancer, 913,000 deaths, and type 2 diabetes, which claimed 339,000 lives. These numbers were really striking, according to Dr. Francesco Branca, uh, the top nutritionist at the WHO, the World Health Organization. The study was funded by Bill and Melinda Gates, the Bill and, Bill and Melinda, Ga- uh, Melinda Gates Foundation, uh, which covered global eating habits from 1990 to 2017 and tracked consumption in 15 different categories, including milk, processed meat, seafood, and sodium and fiber. So, And it uh, analyzed data from 195 countries. And it found that uh, Papua New Guinea, Afghanistan, and the Marshall Islands had some of the highest proportion of diet-related deaths, while France, Spain, and Peru had some of the lowest rates. The U.S., by the way, ranked 43rd, and China was among the worst at 140. I think it's because of that westernized diet kind of thing. Yeah, you would think. You would think, yes. But uh, what is GMOs? What does everybody... uh, I I, I keep hearing conflicting science about this, and uh, some of the biggest uh, concerns with GMOs is, do you consume them? Do you not consume them? Are they really, truly safe? Has there been enough studies on GMOs to, to make them worthy of your attention. But GMOs stands for genetic, uh, genetically modified organisms. It's a very controversial topic. Uh, so the pros and cons are, what are first GMOs? And there's two different types of GMOs. One is called um, tra- uh, transgenic. I think it's, that's how they pronounce it, transgenic organisms. Those are GMOs that contain DNA from another species. And the other one is called cisgenic organisms, and those are GMOs that contain DNA from the same species. So are GMOs legal? Well, the answer to that question depends on where you live in the United States, uh, live in the world, rather. For example, in the EU, it's illegal to relate a GMO 
into the environment on purpose, and any foods that contain more than 1% of the GMOs must be labeled. And I don't think that's true here in the United States. No. That's very different. Uh, where GMOs do not need to be labeled, uh, you might see many companies that have a logo on them that say non-GMO. However, some of these products being labeled as uh, containing genetically modified organisms may still be present. I think it's up to 1%. Uh, some of the most popular foods that are genetically modified, uh, 70% of the food in the American grocery stores contain GMOs. And you know what the number one ingredient is? Uh, number one item is? Corn. Yeah. How did you figure that out? Well, it's just about in everything. High it's subsidized. Yeah. And it's high fructose corn syrup. Yep. And it's in just about every, flip it over on the back of the package, read the label. Read your labels. <laughs> Instead of mom says, not only did she say, eat your veggie, she says, read your labels. labels. So unless you're specifically buying organic corn, it's likely that all corn in grocery stores is genetically modified. Some other uh, popular GMO foods include soy, cotton, uh, canola, and sugar. 80% of these foods are genetically engineered. Tomatoes. GMO tomatoes, really? Potatoes, wheat, and rice are popular foods that are uh, typically genetically modified. So that begs the question, are animals GMO? Of course they are. Because yeah. if they eat genetically modified soy or corn, they're, you know, they are going to be. So every single animal on a factory farm, which includes the pigs, chickens, turkeys, cows, and fish, have been genetically modified. They have been modified to grow quicker so that they can go to the slaughterhouse sooner. Turkeys and chickens literally grow, grow so fast that their legs can't even support their bodies and they can't even walk. And some of the... Uh, pretty intense videos, uh, you know, like Earthlings and Dominion, uh, they literally go inside the slaughterhouse, they go inside factory farms, and they, you can actually see that kind of stuff that goes on. Dairy cows have been modified so that they can produce way more milk uh, than they naturally would. Hens uh, have had to have the same thing done to them so that they can lay way more eggs than they ever would. So if you do eat meat, dairy, or eggs, you are certainly eating genetically modified organisms. Also, all the animals in factory farms are fed unnatural diets of genetically modified corn, soybeans. So even the food that they eat is GMO. And of course, the big reason why GMOs are used, the biggest thing is to create greater yields. Um, an example of how GMOs are helping provide more nutrition is through GMO food, which you might have heard of. It's called uh, golden rice. That's very common uh, in Asia, in, in Eurasia. Uh, the rice is enhanced with vitamin A, so it helps reduce the vitamin A deficiencies in developing countries. Now, many people claim that GMOs can solve world hunger because they produce higher yields, but I just got to point out that the majority of GMO crops are grown to feed livestock, so humans can then eat the livestock. And of course, my opinion, a better way to solve world hunger would be to use that land space to grow edible crops for humans to eat instead of livestock. Absolutely. I mean, reclaim yeah. the land. We have plenty of land to grow the food necessary to feed the world's population. Absolutely. It's what are we, feel, what are we feeding the world? What are we eating? And really I think the question. We talked about this earlier, too, in an earlier episode about uh, you can eliminate world hunger by simply transforming these livestock areas um, into, you know, uh, obviously organically grown crops that can feed the entire world. I mean, we're at, what is it, 7.6 billion people now around the world. We're expected to go to 
No, is it 10 billion? I, I, I know the number is supposed to greatly uh, increase over the next uh, several decades. But um, GMOs are also used to create plants that have more resistance to weeds, pests, and other diseases. For example, 88% of the corn and 94% of the soy that's grown in the U.S. has been gen- genetically modified that is either uh, herbicide-resistant or insect-resistant. Now, that brings up glyphosate. I believe is also uh, one of the main chemicals or herbicide uh, that's found in Monsanto's Roundup, which is now owned by Bayer Pharmaceuticals. Uh, GMOs are also used to uh, give foods longer shelf life so they can even make more crops resistant to harsher weather, which would make them easier to grow uh, in, and less, of course, easier to grow in less ideal uh, conditions. So some of the arguments that are uh, against GMOs, of which I agree with, and I'm sure you do too. The main argument is that you'll hear when it comes to GMOs is that they haven't been around long enough for us to know really what the long-term effects are of consuming them. After all, GMOs have only been around since 1996, and even in the European Union, a lot of them didn't uh, approve of foods after 1991. Uh, Instead of, you know, they said, you know, if it's genetically modified, you know, don't put it on the store shelves until we know more about what it is. Uh, GMOs obviously lead to more monoculture and monoculture obviously is the single use crops. Like you see, if you go to Nebraska, you go to Kansas, you'll see a crap ton of corn and you'll see a lot of wheat monoculture, meaning one, one crop. And that obviously is, uh, the soils and everything is engineered to deal with that one particular, one particular crop, a uh, monoculture f- is the act of growing one single crop, such as corn or soybeans, in a very large area. Another argument against GMOs is that they simply are not natural. For example, scientists are transferring genes not only from different species, but even across entire kingdoms. They do this by inserting animals' genes into some plants. These genotypes would have never happened naturally, so the results of the science are way more unpredictable than crossing similar things such as a gala apple with a red delicious apple. Now, some people experience negative allergic reactions to GMO products. Uh, peanut allergies come to one come to mind. One of the biggest controversies about GMOs is how, in places like the U.S., that they are not labeled, and that's a big, big problem because obviously, in order to stay healthy, you got to read those food labels, and if those food labels are not labeled correctly or, or well, at it's all, not that they're not lab- they're not even comprehensive. Yeah, I mean, we had I had a tough time reading what was on ingredients labels last week is absolutely i i, I just it, there needs to be some transparency yep I, I think each one of us should have the right to select what we want to put in our bodies yep i agree and if you're i, I find it very interesting what are you hiding if it's if it's supposed to be so good for you why are you hiding behind the lack of labeling I understand people don't want, you know, there's this big argument of, you know, government getting in everybody's business. I'm not going to get tremendously political here. Uh, But when it really comes down to who who heads up the organizations that makes these decisions, Mm -hmm. what are their interests? My feeling is, is when I go to the grocery store, I want to know what's in it. Absolutely. It's my personal choice whether or not I ingest it. It's my personal choice whether or not I bring it to my family. I put it on, you know, we, we, we ingest it. We put it on our skin. That kind of business should be my choice. Yeah. 
and you know, I'm kind of on the fence about GMOs. I, I think that there's a place in science um, to improve uh, the 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 lives of of everyone on the planet, but there's a balance between that and the lives of animals. There there is a balance. It it the it's in the science. Allow scientists to do their job to figure out, you know, is it truly safe for us? Because if we are modifying ourselves and we pass it genetically on down, you, you know, we're changing the course of history of mankind by doing this. Yeah. So it's a really big issue. Now, and, but I think that ultimately, as a consumer, I should have the right to know what's in my food. I totally agree. Period. So whether or not you agree with GMOs, I mean, I, as you would believe as well, they should be labeled so people can make the active choice of whether they want to consume something like that, even though that some scientists will say that they are safe uh, and others will not. And others say that, you know, the, uh, the uh, data is not fully complete yet because we haven't been able to study it for long enough. So as a vegan, though, GMOs and animal rights. So if you care about animal rights, GMOs can definitely raise some concerns. So before GMOs are introduced, they are almost always experimented on animals. There have always been um, so, so many studies done that were rats where they feed them with excessive amounts of GMO foods, causing them to get you know, liver cancer and huge tumors. GMOs are also tested on animals just to determine their overall safety. Uh, even experimenting on animals themselves to uh, patent genetically modified animals is a concern in itself. Uh, when you patent an animal, you're also just viewing them as property rather than a living being, and that's that's crazy. The FDA also requires that food additives must be proven to be safe, even though that there are no specific tests. The FDA offers guidelines for toxicity toxicity studies. Uh, in these guidelines, it includes testing on both uh, rodents and also non-rodent animals, which are usually dogs. So long-term tests and studies mean more and more animals are suffering in scientific labs. So again, how to know if something is GMO, even though genetically modified foods aren't labeled that well, there are still ways to find out whether a food or not is genetically engineered or not. The absolute best way that you are not purchasing any GMO foods is to buy food that is organic. So in North America, foods that are 100% organic are legally not allowed to contain GMOs. You know that fruits and vegetables come with stickers and a PLU code. You can sometimes use these codes to figure out if a GMO is G, if a food is GMO or not. If the PLU code is a four-digit number, the food conventionally produced, not organic, uh, it may or may not be genetically modified. If the PLU code is a five-digit number, I think you told me this, Elena, uh, that a number starts with uh, an eight is always genetically modified. However, not all GMO food GMO foods that have a PLU code because it's not mandatory to provide a PLU label. So, so and then another big thing, uh, go to farmer's markets. Well, it, I'm going to have a caveat with that. All right. Because um, you, you got to ask the question, is it organic or not? Mm -hmm. Because in a farmer's market, you, you can have local growers, and I'm all for purchasing locally grown food, uh, grassroots organizations. What I'm concerned about is if they're actually getting it from a larger distributor somewhere else, agriculturally. Yeah. And whether or not that, you know, that, that the food is ultimately as safe as it could be for consumption. 
So, you know, there's, I'm going to play caveats. devil's advocate. And, and you do have to play that because uh, you, you just don't know where everything is going. But anyway, coming up next is we're going to be talking about organic farming and, uh, and the benefits of organic foods. That's all coming up after the news break right here on Veg Talk Radio. This is Veg Talk Radio News for April 6, 2019. Vegan brand Tofurky announced this week that it raised its first outside investment of $7 million from an undisclosed core source. The company will use the funding to streamline and increase production and innovation. We have been cautious about investment previously, not wanting to compromise our purpose-driven culture. This according to Tofurky CEO Jamie Athos but are thankful to have found the entity that is aligned with our values and recognizes that we can achieve by pushing the plant-based category forward with affordable, delicious foods that are accessible to all. Vegan activist, artist Lori Johnston, owner of design company Two Trick Pony, and Ruby Roth, author and illustrator of vegan books for children, collaborated to create a line of 12 eco-friendly greeting cards featuring illustrations of beloved companion animals. The cards, which launched in time for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals Month, which is the month of April, promote the saving of lives of shelter animals, and each card will feature an original painting from Roth, who is the author of books such as That's Why We Don't Eat Animals, Vegan is Love, and the Help Yourself Cookbook for Kids. Ethan Brown, the CEO and founder of growing vegan brand Beyond Meat, penned a letter to the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, which includes an updated prospectus to file for an IPO. Not only did the filing include a requisite financial and bow, valuations, and projections, but also comes with a human element, a moving personal letter penned by Ethan Brown himself. His words speak to the evolution of humankind in a way that emphasizes our struggles with finding food to our current battles with animal rights abuses, environmental degradation, and major health epidemics. And finally, farmers in California recently unveiled Colini, a new cauliflower-like vegetable variety. The new vegetable was developed for two years in secret by Man Packing Company in Salinas, California. That's the same grower who introduced broccolini to the U.S. in 1998. Chef Robert DeSala has experimented with the new vegetable at a San Jose restaurant and is impressed with the Colini's sweet flavor, which early tasters report does not resemble cauliflower at all. This has been Veg Talk Radio News for April 6, 2019. And we are back with Veg Talk Radio for episode number four, talking about those GMOs and talking about organic farming and or organic food, period. And Elena has a lot of great details on why it's important to buy organic. I'm telling you, it's like going back to a classroom, right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, there's... When you go vegan, you it's for some people, it's um, a, a gradual process. I share it every single week. And some people can just one day say, I'm going to make a change. And Which they just... What we did. They wipe everything out and start completely fresh. Um and there's always, I always hear this, well, organic is so expensive. And I, I have to be honest with you, you know, um, I'm a, a typical, uh, um, tickle, typical wife, mom. Um, I, I, I do the grocery shopping. I share that pretty much every week. And I, I live with a budget like most people do. 
And so organics, you know, you have to figure out how to bring them into your diet um, and how ultimately in the long term they're actually more affordable than the less expensive uh, produce that's out there uh, for health benefits. You can't put a dollar figure on that up front when you know you go to the when you go to the cashier and you check out, um, but you can long term, and it makes it, it's like saving for a rainy day. Yeah. So um, I just decided that I, I wanted to share a little bit more about organic farming. I, I I don't farm, so I had to learn some things about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a farmer either, but I do wear overhaul sometimes. <laughs> well, not really. Not really, but um, so I just and most people kind of have an idea of what organic farming is about, but it really is just agriculture that makes uh, healthy food, healthy soils, healthy plants, and healthy environments a priority along with crop uh, productivity. Uh, there is a really great website out there that's called Organic Farming Research Foundation that has uh, this information uh, in uh, in a clean format, uh, easy, haha, no pun intended, <laughs> uh, yeah, a clean sure. format for this. Uh, basically, organic farmers use uh, biological fertilizer inputs and management practices that cover crop, uh, cropping crop rotation uh, to improve the soil quality and build organic matter, um, uh, soil matter. And by increasing the amount of organic matter in soil, farmers enhance the soil's ability to absorb water, reducing the impacts of drought and flooding, and improved uh, soil organic matter also helps absorb and store uh, carbon and other nutrients that are needed to grow healthy crops, which in turn are better able to resist insects and diseases. Mm. Um, organic production systems do not use genetically modified seed. Okay, good. So if you are concerned about GMOs, uh, organic is the way to go. Because it's you cannot label yourself organic if you're using GMOs. The use of genetic engineering or genetically modified organisms, uh, GMOs, are prohibited in organic products. This means that an organic farmer can't plant GMO seeds, um, and it and and an organic um, like an organic soup producer can't use GMO ingredients like tomatoes. Correct. So if you see, you know, if they are, if they've got that genetic uh, seal on their foods, that just simply means um, net genetic, but organic, it means just that uh, clean, cleaner foods. Um, okay. Can they be used in the products? No, they can't. Not here in the U.S. So if it it, that means an organic uh, farmer cannot use the uh, GMO seeds uh, to meet USDA, uh, USDA organic regulations. Farmers and processors must show that they are not using the GMOs and that they're protecting their products from contact uh, with prohibited substances from farm to table. Um, it, the organic farmer really helps our environment. Uh, conventional farming typically uses minimal crop rotations. We were talking about uh, monoculture, monoculture, yep. monoculture, monocrops, um, growing the same single crop year after year on the same land. Uh, this this practice or monocropping uh, causes a depletion in the nutrients and minerals. So the overall nutritional value of that food is going to be different than if there would be crop rotation. And in order to continue growing crops in depleted soils, nutrients and minerals have to be added back into the um, high, into the um, 
back into the hydrocarbon-based fertilizers uh, and uh, mine minerals such as phosphate. So conventional uh, GM farming is dependent on earth-based non-renewable resources. So when you go to the grocery store and you're looking at a piece of organic fruit, it's really important to understand the environmental impact you have by making those choices to go with organic foods. Uh, Monocultures and the resulting poor health um, open the way to infestations uh, infestations of insects and diseases and weeds. Healthy biodiverse soil keeps those infestations in check. And the lack of biodiversity requires synthetic pesticides and herbicides to be used, further destroying the the national soil biology. Hmm. So it makes sense to have organic, as much organic as you can get into your diet, because it helps not only local farmers, because uh, organic farming is such a small part of the U.S. agricultural footprint that, you know, in order for this to become mainstream, you have to adopt it. Right. You know, and you have to you have to figure out what that looks like. Small, more localized farms, too, actually makes pretty, pretty good sense. How about people starting up their own personal, you know, hydroponic local farms? Or, or uh, a community garden. Yeah, that's a great idea, actually. I like the idea of a community garden. Because then it teaches other people um, how to how to take care of themselves, how to grow food. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not even taught in schools anymore. Right. Yeah, agricultural, yeah. And how do you actually just plant seeds? Absolutely. It's amazing. Absolutely. So I uh, pulled up some information from the USDA, um, NASS, that's the National Agricultural Statistics Service. Uh, the new census is coming out actually this month, so I'll be excited to see um, uh, where uh, where organic farming uh, is is standing in at least the U.S. statistics here shortly. Uh, It's done once every five years. Uh, It does include livestock and poultry and related products, but I'm only going to focus in on the um, uh, plant-based. Okay, that's the way to do it. Yeah, so it's no surprise that uh, this was a study, this was information in 2017 that California has the most organic farms of any of the states. They have uh, 2,713 as of that last study. Um, Wisconsin, believe it it or not, and New York came up uh, second and third. Uh, One of the things that was, uh, I I considered hopeful was that uh, Texas increased by 69% between uh, 2015 and 2016 for certified organic land. That's fantastic. But you have to take that with a grain of salt because um, they keep, they also uh, include um, farm animals in this. And uh, so I tried not to l- look into too many statistics for that because it does skew it. Um, in uh, 2016, uh, there was uh, there was a 4.2 billion dollars that came from crops. That's that's a significant amount. That's from organic crops? Yeah, organic crops. 4.6 billion. And there was a 20% increase between 2015 and 2016 in those crops. With tomatoes and potatoes, you had mentioned those when the monocrops and mm-hmm. uh, GMOs, that there was actually um, a big spike in organic tomato and potato um, planting and growth uh, between one, uh, 102 and 107%, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um there's the Organic Farming Research Foundation again. Uh, it has some great information about the 2018 Farm Bill. 
which I didn't know anything about. Uh, and there were uh, six areas that uh, they actually were able to secure additional funding or additional oversight. Uh, the first one was an, an increase in organic agricultural research and extension initiative. Uh, it's going. Uh, there's a twenty million dollars allotted in 2019, and it's to go up tiered to fifty million by 2023. Uh, there's a national organic program NOP, okay. uh, and they're. Uh, they're slated to get 16.5 uh, billion in 2019, and it's, excuse me, million, and it's going to go to 24 million in 2023. So, there, it, in the whole scheme of things, it's still relatively small, but it starts somewhere. Mm-hmm. It and starts it, somewhere, and where you, where it has to start somewhere. But as more and more consumers demand it, the more you're going to start seeing funding. Being becoming available for it. Absolutely. And we need that funding because it takes three years uh, to actually condition and prepare your farm and soil to be considered organic. Three years? Yeah. So wow. you have to find a way to help that. farmers that want to make that transition to organic. You do need to help them. You know, uh, I know that there are major big corporate farms out there, but this is a grassroots level initiative. And it's important to remember that when you have a choice between, you know, apples that, you know, could be a dollar difference in a pound. Well, you know, if you want your local organic farmer down the road, Farmer Bob, you know, to be able to, you know, put food on his table and make sure that his children have health care and that they have a running car and you know, and, and, and can put their kids to college if that's what they want to do. You have to remember that it does start at a grassroots level and that you can make a difference. Um, they also uh, have slated to put $5 million, $5 million into the uh, technology upgrade to track uh, in the tracking systems and data collection of organic uh, farming. Uh, the National Organic uh, Certification Cost Share Program, which is really important. I didn't even know about that. Yep. Uh, it, it's from two million now to uh, it's going to go up to eight million in the 2022-23 um, cyclical year, with an additional uh, 16.5 million for cost share in the 2014 farm bill um, should be made available to support that system as well. And they also um, uh, recognize the national organic organic program enforcement uh, with increased increased organic enforcement and authority for the uh, NOP, similar to that of the, uh, to the Senate Committee Farm Bill, uh, which included 5.2927, the Organic Farm Farmer and Consumer Protection Act. So it's really important not only to be able to fund organic uh, farming, but also to uh, protect those, uh, to protect it all the way to the consumer. Uh, okay. And so I found that to be very interesting. Um, it changes the way I view organic products. Uh, I learned a little bit along the way about what that is about. Um, so definitely, if you have that option um, in your local area to support that, uh, the more you buy organic, the higher the demand. The higher the demand, uh, it it drives it it drives the innovation and it drives the organic uh, economy. Period. Yeah. So you do, I, I just feel like it's really empowering 
to be vegan. Sometimes it feels isolating because you may not have a lot of people around you, but if you can just share little bits about why it makes sense, um, and for me, it's a non-confrontational way. I know for other folks, uh, you can be much more um, What's direct. Always, yeah, it's always, well, it depends too, and it depends on the your person that you're talking to. But uh, I mean, there's some each week that we do this show. It's it's actually kind of exciting because you get to do a deep dive into into the research, and a lot. I learn something brand new every single week that I would just never even think of. Uh, and that, but that only comes by just opening up your eyes, doing a Google search, and start just digging in and finding out the realities of what's really going on. So, uh, this whole trip into veganism has been very beneficial, at least from my standpoint. Oh, absolutely, for mine as well. And uh, and I hope to be able to just keep uh, turning over rocks, you know, yeah. and sharing little bits and pieces. Um, by you know, I said it before, I'll say it again. I'm not an expert, but I sure am tenacious about finding a little bit out about something and figuring out if it makes sense. Um, I would, and I would definitely not want to steer someone, some, someone wrong. I mean, I, my friends, my family, people that I come into contact with, um, I want them to have a healthy, you know, healthy life and, and, and to be able to pass that along to the next generation because the health statistics alone are so scary in, in our lifetime. Yeah. I mean, one in three people in this country um, will be will be diabetic yeah. in the next twenty, you know, twenty thirty years. That's that's and that's an enormous, staggering statistic. And that's something that can be you know reversed absolutely just by what you eat. By it's, what you eat and yeah. knowing what's in the food that you're eating. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. simple, and simple it's, stuff. And it is it is very eye opening. And it, yes, we don't profess to be experts, and sometimes we can't even pronounce names right. <laughs> Because <laughs> you know, you some can't of these, pronounce it. It might not be good for you. Some of these things are pretty big words, and it's tough to tough to, <laughs> tough to overcome that stuff. I mean, but anyway. So, but anyway, coming up next week, we are going to be talking about factory farms. Um, and uh, you know, is there places for rescued factory farmed animals? Uh, yes, there are lots of places. And uh, we're going to be talking about that coming up next week. We certainly appreciate you listening this week. This has been Veg Talk Radio with your host, Jay. And Elena. And and, uh, we're going to see you next week. But until then, keep smiling. For more information about Veg Talk Radio, feel free to visit our website at vegtalkradio.com. Also, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Drop us an email anytime at podcasts at vegtalkradio.com. Nothing artificial, just pure vegan talk. This is Veg Talk Radio.